Today's episode of the Punk Rock Horror Podcast is brought to you by Snubbed Records. It may seem like the end of the world is coming soon, and in preparation for Doomsday, Snubbed Records is pleased to announce their upcoming release of the new album by horror punk rock band Savage Remains. Pre-orders for The End Is Nice start at noon on June 5th at doomsdaypunk.com. And so jokingly said by Ron Xiaoxiao of Snub Records owner and Savage Remains manager, went on to say, we're thinking of this as your soundtrack to the end of the world. With COVID-19, murder hornets, and all the other craziness going on in the world today, we saw a need to record an album that would capture the spirit of a doomsday-like scenario. Savage Remains is known in the punk rock world for crafting catchy, apocalyptic horror field music that, like an act to the face of your enemies really hits the spot the band says inspired by a mutual love of apocalyptic science fiction horror and all things grim and macabre the band from fredericksburg virginia features vocalist matt alive bassist m vladimir and guitarist swinger gallows drummer curtis price with sound influenced by such acts as the misfits black flag and the ramones as well as a healthy dose of early hardcore brutality and rockabilly boogie their self-styled doomsday punk is an abrasive as it is catchy Anyone who pre-orders The End is Nigh to be released on CD with digital download card later this summer will also receive free download of two tracks on the album, Children of Adam and Dead End, and also an 11x17 poster. Along with Savage Remains' album pre-order comes the launch of DoomsdayPunk.com, where fans can find Savage Remains and Doomsday Punk merch albums and more. Doomsday Punk has become a genre of its own, Shashio says. And for more information about Savage Remains and Snub Records, please visit snubrecords.com. That is S-N-U-B-B-E-D records.com. And also make sure you check out doomsdaypunk.com. All right, thank you again, ghouls, gals, and let's jump into this episode. Outside the ordered universe is that amorphous blight of nethermost confusion which blasphemies and bubbles at the center of all infinity. The boundless daemon Sultan Azathoth, whose name no lips dare speak aloud and who gnaws hungrily in inconceivable, unlighted chambers beyond time and space, amidst the muffled, maddening beating of vile drums and the thin, monotonous whine of accursed flutes. Azathoth, the oldest of the Elder Gods and one of many to come out of the mind of H.P. Lovecraft. Today, we will dive back into the life of Lovecraft and finish the tale of one of horror's greatest creators, Let's scare the establishment, go cosmic, and get tragic in part two of the life of Lovecraft. Going in three, two, Welcome back, everyone, to the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Cody. And today, we're here to remind you that even though everything is opening up and people are going back to somewhat restricted type of things within uh, the state and all around, uh, we're going to implore you to please take care of yourselves and watch out for yourselves and wash your goddamn hands and wear your masks. Seriously. Just because everything's opening up doesn't mean it's gone away. <laughs> Like, still be smart, still be cautious, still be safe, still take the safe means and everything, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I just recently went to a meeting where with where I work, and they were talking about, uh, well, basically, I work in what's considered a sanitation department, and there, we, were, we were just in a meeting for what to do for this summer, and mm-hmm. so um, everybody had a very laxed attitude towards it. 
It was uh-huh. just like, oh, oh my god, if you know what to read, then you know you have nothing to worry about. Harder, 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 harder. And then one of the other guys, there was like, yeah, if you, uh, he's like, so would it read everything off Facebook? And I looked at him because originally I also brought up in that meeting, I was like, well, to be fair, they're saying that even if we're staying within six feet social distance in a building, that it still should be a good idea to actually wear your mask regardless. And you know, the guy replied back with, so in other words, don't repeat, read everything you read off Facebook. I'm like, well, this isn't off Facebook. This is off the internet. Like, I'm like, this motherfucker has no idea that I have a goddamn podcast and I know how to research. You goddamn piece of shit. <laughs> so I was like, I'm like, I'm like, no, this is a legit article. I know my shit. Like, don't fucking pander to me. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about just because I'm a millennial and you're a boomer. Like, don't give me that shit. I will fucking squash it here right now. You can check my resources. I know these are legit. Like, yeah. obviously, you know, I didn't say that because I had to, you know, keep my wits about me and hold my tongue because my actual boss is right next to me too. And I was just like. Hmm. I was like, nope, this is legit. I've checked my resources. And then, like, you know, I was just like, God, why why did I agree to come to this meeting? This is, like, this is my hell. This is my personal hell right now. <laughs> like, fucking Satan could come up through the forum and be like, hey, would you rather... He's like, you could have a choice. You could either stay in this meeting or I could take a ton of these RC cars that just have super glued razor blades on them and ram them up your ass. Which would you prefer? I would definitely go for the RC cars. <laughs> yeah. You doing all right there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I am totally fine. I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> She's like, Jesus, I mean, I don't like meetings either, but fuck. <laughs> it, was, it, was just, it was not having it for this one. I was just like, "Fuck it!" <laughs> I'm tired of being called a millennial, man. Just because I'm a millennial doesn't mean I don't do my research. I grew uh, up with the internet. Like, look, I don't, you literally I don't even, grew up. Like, real talk, real quick. I don't really give a shit. Of, like being called a millennial. That's whatever. That's whatever. I'm tired of the stigma around it. I'm tired of yeah. every freaking like boomers stigma and like jet. And well, not Gen Z, but like some Gen X is a stigma about it too. Like just the whole "oh, you millennials, oh that's some millennial crap, oh that's blah blah blah." Like it's just uh, it just gets really draining after a while, man. Especially when you work with a lot of them. Yeah, no, I I know. <laughs> I'm just like you keep saying that. Well, I don't have a heart attack figuring out my own Gmail account. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, Grandma, you have to hit the camera to, be, <laughs> to FaceTime. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. All you have to do, what? Just push the button that looks like a camera. I don't get it. I push in the camera, and it's it's just making it smudged. No, not, not the camera, the button. <laughs> the camera's a button? I thought it was a camera. You know what? Why don't you just go out and vote? <laughs> we can't sweetie there's a quarantine in effect and it's not even voting season yet like that get, there you go there's that it's would be like, the you know response. what now i need to go get my hair done and it's like no <laughs> grandma that's yet yeah, no you can't go outside well i don't know how to get it where's the camera oh man all right i i i am uh <laughs> i am tired of, of complaining and i would rather play some games instead 
<laughs> so, so, uh, so recently, um, you know, uh, with the fact that we were doing more HP Lovecraft and stuff, I was thinking, what is one other really cool game that we could keep with it? I mean, we we had some, we had a pretty solid one last go around, you know, with one to give the man a mental breakdown the world hasn't ever seen before, but. I think we can top it, or at least I'm going to hope we can top it with this next one. Here, So here's the next game. So in theme of today's episode, because we're actually going to be following up with part one, with part yeah. two, jumping more into the cosmic horror sense of everything. And I'll let yeah, Cody explain that when we... talk about the last half of HP's life. So this is where it's going to get really crazy and really interesting all at the same time. But to keep with that notion... <laughs> so and to keep. Sad. <laughs> and to keep with all the it also insane creative monsters he's come up with, yeah. I, I do. This is the game that I'm going to call uh, "What's Your Monster?" So, uh, Cody, if you were going to create a creature that would be an H.P. Lovecraft story, what would it be, and what would it look like? Okay, so the creature that I would create would be in would be, I guess you. I would try. Want to? I'd want to create another Elder God. And this one would be in control of the day and night cycle. Okay. Yeah. So, like, basically, it decides, you know, how long the days are, how long the nights are. Like, that's what it does. And so, like, where it, the the part section it controls, like, and that's what it does. It's kind of like, it, basically, that's how it does. And so, if you need, you know, like, if the people need it to be day to grow their crops and it's been night for too long, you know, they have to make sacrifices to the God so they can have daytime and same with night, you know, like they they can't find sleep because it's been day for so long or whatever. And you need nighttime. Like they have to do the same if the creature feels like the people aren't appeasing to it, you know? And so how it look is that the reason why it's day and night is because it's half and half of the creature. So half of the creature is all like, sunshiny bright daylight type things or type look and then the other half is completely dark and shadowy and like small glimmers of light come out of it like stars i like it yeah. i like it it's yeah. pretty dope thanks bravo thank you <laughs> do, do you want to know what mine would be no <laughs> there well that was the game it's yeah, definitely no, only meant for cody <laughs> so and now we're gonna move on <laughs> what's yours um so mine i uh, i decided would be the most unfortunate one ever uh-huh. and it, it's so it's a creature that to seek out its own entertainment and its only purpose is to find a person and make them go hungry, but only by eating more food. So basically, you would just be walking around your normal day, your normal time. Maybe you're following the same routine that you always do. Get up, you know, 7 a.m., get ready for work, go out to work. But you, on your way to work, you got some extra time to spare. Maybe you're going to drop by Mickey D's. Maybe you're going to get yourself, you know... A sausage McMuffin, or what have you. I don't know. Your favorite breakfast place. Just imagine that, right? And um, you're eating, and then, you know, nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just start getting more hungry. And so, you know, you can't wait till lunch and you start eating more food. You know, you start snacking even more. And then, you know, lunch comes around and, you know, you're still not full. So you're continually, continually eating, right? Uh-huh. 
So it's kind of taken on like the spirit of like the, the one Stephen King tale where that man uh, continually eats, right? But yeah. he's never seeing his own hunger. Well, however, <laughs> the twist on this is that the way the this creature feeds is only after until you have fully, uh, fully have consumed your own flesh to the point where it can actually take your flesh and adapt it to itself and take your on your own persona for its entertainment and it do and it gets to choose whatever it wants and so it, it's all it's the reason for every unexplainable terrible event in human history that we that we've always associated with you know who knows what was going through that person's mind at the time mm-hmm. that's my creature so basically, that... it's like a tapeworm mixed with a body snatcher. Yeah, right. Like, wouldn't that be fucked up? Because <laughs> tapeworms, you know, you're you're always constantly hungry because it's stealing all the nutrients from your food, and that's why you keep eating. Like it, but like, mm. It, 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 like mm. it would have to be like a fucked up like tapeworm, like right? Yeah, like, no, I get you. It would have to okay. have like fucking millions of eyes or some shit. Well, no, because since it's a eat, so since it eats to like to expand on the whole fucking fu- fucked up tapeworm, it actually has a stomach that expands, and like it actually opens up the stomach and pulls from with inside to adapt to the new skin. Gross. I know, right? That would be fucked up. Gross. I know. Basically, a sea star. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking right up that alley, I swear to God. That's nasty. <laughs> My, see, yours is another god. Mine, Mine's just a cruel monster. <laughs> I know. I, li- I like mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny is that I was like, oh, man, that one sounds really kind of spooky and whatnot. Well, I'm pretty sure mine's going to be a little funnier. And then I actually said all of it, and I was like, wow, that wasn't funnier at all. That was just gross. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to make you eat so much that you get so hungry that you eat your own flesh, and then I'm going to become you. (laughs) It it, it was definitely a lot funnier on paper. I like your. It was funny to me in my head. There, there, there was a joke. Self mutilation cannibalism. That's pretty funny, right? <laughs> like it's, it's hilarious. When I think of comedy gold, I think self mutilation and cannibalism. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it does leave a funny taste in the mouth. <laughs> See, it just writes itself. And we're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> right, like. They would actually, there would actually be like such an outcry from this that people actually band together to create their own funded group purely just to shut us down. <laughs> because because that is finally drawing the line. You, you know, know everybody would. I'd be flattered. <laughs> like, like, do you know yeah. how fucking weird that would be to show up in like any new news article or on YouTube? Because you know, normally like content creators get in trouble for like. Because they say, like, because they, either they were caught in, like, some sort of perverted shit or whatever, yeah. or, like, they said something really dumb or something racist or they did something racist or what have you, right? Like, or and they, then they have the a... initials LP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> not here. Not, not here. Did it once, maybe twice. Never fucking again. I'm not allowing it again. No, no. goddamn. No. <laughs> but, but anyways, um, fucking, so... 
and then our name would just pop up for just like like these guys need to be shut down because they just say gross shit like right and everybody would be fucking freaking out like oh my god what do they say like thinking it's like the worst shit that finally crosses like the bigotry line that we've just been like hugging for a hard minute now like like they would think that's that right and they would just like listen to it it's just like me talking about just fucking self-mutilation and a worm (laughs) trying to create your own lovecrafting character and then that's where they draw the line fucking go to mickey d's you know like (laughs) Like, sausage mcmuffin my own hand i'm gonna go with my own hand (laughs) (laughs) it's just like these guys need to be shut down this is disgusting (laughs) <laughs> oh man that would, that would be the fucking shit I, I would I'd be like this is where we can end it <laughs> that's where I'd be flattered <laughs> like how are we not selling thousands of shirts at this point <laughs> <laughs> that's when we would and, it would say, and the shirt's gonna say muffin or hand <laughs> like, and then we and then we totally just sell out and make some of the most ridiculous looking fucking shirts we can with just like you in a very comical like skit pose of like like where did you hear that and then like on the back would be me with my arms crossed with just like my shoulders up like from Matt <laughs> <laughs> it'd be the dumbest yeah. fucking shirt ever it wouldn't say I, it, Go I ahead. wouldn't wear that shirt. <laughs> Fucking if so, yeah. if if someone makes a baby with that shirt on, I would pay for that kid's college. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> someone will do it. Hey, they have to get the images from us, man. <laughs> Why wow, somebody's gonna just like get it over me one day and be like, like Hey Matt, can I get a selfie? And like, yeah, sure. I'm like, all right, take a douche pose. I'm like, oh, this looks like a good one. And then I would do it without thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, I think, God, they got the image. That was, wow. I did not see that coming. And then all they would do to get my, the whole, like, <laughs> hey, you face would be like, hey, Cody, go fuck yourself. I turn like, go fuck yourself. And they'd snap a picture right there. <laughs> <laughs> just like they would say some real effect of shit too just like just like yo Captain Marvel was better than Winter Soldier by 10 <laughs> and you just snap <laughs> yeah that's when I snap they get the picture and then they're like hey Matt now you owe my kid college <laughs> you just look at me Cody you couldn't have kept your cool for once about Captain Marvel. You just you look back at me and be like, I don't know, man. You couldn't be fucking vain and stupid for one minute. Touche. Touche. Well, we better hope this keeps panning out now, don't we? <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, so people start buying fucking shirts. <laughs> All right, let's fucking jump into it, man. All right. Yeah. I, I hope everybody enjoyed that as much as we did because that was fucking funny as shit. Um, 
<laughs> so let's talk about what's happening in horror this week. Um, so again, big huge shout out to everybody who is on the show and to all of our patrons who continually support their show. Uh, your funding means so much to us. It helps us keep on the lights. It helps us do what we got to do to bring out this amazing horror, entertaining content to all of you. So shout out to every single one of our patrons. You are amazing, and we oh, love seriously. the living shit out of you. Uh, you know what? That's, yeah. that's how Go I get ahead. all my research done. <laughs> Just like, just, just like a jab into just like, oh my god, oh my god, you know? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm on, I'm pretty sure, again, I'm pretty certain I'm, I'm, I'm on a couple lists. So I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I've been really needing this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So what's going on in horror this week? Excuse me. I got the cough and burps. All right, jumping right into it. So. Uh, a few crazy things going on. Yeah, yeah we're just going to continue. Like, that was fucking normal. I don't want anyone to ask about it. <laughs> it reminded me of fucking the other night. <laughs> you made fun of you. like, yeah, I mean, all those assholes who think they fucking want to be Rick with all those burp coughs laughing. Oh, God. You know, I, 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 will, I will touch on that after after this because I want to get through these articles because I feel like everybody just wants to get it going already. But I'll, I'll, I'll touch get on, on that. With I'll, it. So, all right, jumping into it. So uh, for everyone who's kind of into, you know, all of the clown horror, this might actually be a real big, interesting, you know, find for you. So Adam Cesare's slasher novel, Clown in Cornfields Publishing, is in this August. So basically what I just said in a very bad way is that uh, Adam Cesare's slasher novel, Clown in a Cornfield, has gone into publishing this August, which is, well, really exciting, because not only is this uh, well, more clown horror, but it's also going to be getting its own film adaptation in the works as well. So... uh, to better. Harper Teen and writer Adam Cesare are giving birth to a new slasher maniac in the upcoming book Clown on a Cornfield, scheduled to hit shelves on August 25th, 2020. Um, and what Cesare, Cesare said about it in a statement is that he went on to go say, uh, this is my first young adult novel and I wanted it to, to do not so much a throwback slasher as an attempt at a modern slasher with modern themes. And with Temple Hill Entertainment, which did The Twilight, Maze Runner, and The Hate You Give series, uh, holds the option to adapt the book. Cesare tells us that, well, there will be a film adaptation because it's already being developed. He did go on to say that the official synopsis is as stated. Uh, Quinn Maybrook and her father have moved to tiny, boring Kettle Springs to find a fresh start. But what they don't know is that ever since the Baypin Corn Syrup Factory shut down, Kettle Springs has cracked in half. On one side are the adults who are desperate to make Kettle Springs great again, and on the other are the kids who want to have fun, make prank videos, and get out as quick as they can. Kettle Springs is caught in a battle between old and new, tradition and progress. It's a fight that looks like it will destroy the town until Frendo, the Baypen mascot, a creepy clown in a pork pie hat, goes homicidal and decides that the only way for Kettle Springs to grow back is to cull the rotten crop of kids who live there now. So uh, you can check out the the book. Uh, uh, the, uh, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. You can check out the books, like cover and everything on it right now on Google, or you can actually go to Bloody Disgusting, who do it a lot better and give you much cleaner images. Because this thing is actually uh, really good, like harking back to well, even though he's not trying to do it, you know, to like those classic like Stephen King esque 
books or like slasher books that are just like very ominous and like i will even go on to say it actually looks like a vhs cover of like you know whenever we would go any of us when when video rental stores were a thing uh you you know we could go down the horror section and just look at the covers of like all the vhs's for like hours on end because they were so vibrant and like eye-catching like i mean that's how i got into pan that's how i really got obsessed over pandorum (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, uh, like, this, the cover is, like, basically the face of a clown in a cornfield, obviously, but uh-huh. it's just, like, this, like, it's kind of painted as, like, a red misty kind of, you know, one could mistake it for being, like, uh, uh, another cover for Stephen King's hit, but really, yeah. it's it's a, it's a really fucking phenomenal looking book man like and i'm kind of excited that there is a a, a movie coming out because i'm always open to more clown horror we've talked about here we talked about it a lot in a really good episode about it you know it's it's one of the most underappreciated genres and when it's done right it is fucking it is magnificent so so you know what's funny like even though i I will admit it is a pretty underappreciated genre outside of like you know hand select few it of course but like what you say like uh at the beginning of the article you're just like yeah another clown horror movie's coming out i was like it's been about two years i guess we're due about for another clown horror movie well if you think about it like it too really was like the only follow-up to another clown movie yeah it was the same character and whatnot whatever but the technicality it was another clown horror movie that we did get because it stand it did stand as its own movie lengthwise yeah no i know well i was so, like just to me i was just like yeah yeah it's about di- it's about time no i know <laughs> i i that's what i mean like to, I'm, i'm worse to say to everyone else is like oh no it's too soon i'm like nah think about it we don't really get back-to-back cloud horror no we don't <laughs> like i feel like that is the thing that because 2020 is off to such a you know interesting start i'd be like that would be the thing that would actually help everyone out right now it's just like a shit ton of really good clown horror films it's so fucking weird and out of nowhere that it's indeed it seriously like i think we need more of that and more just strictly horror monster movies oh hell yeah like we i need, really we, i want you know another shin godzilla okay. movie i want another shin godzilla movie where godzilla is the fucking monster and he's the villain there will be i want it so bad okay well hold on so let's keep on going because before we start getting way too excited to start coming out monsters again <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just my kaiju movies. Well, you're, <laughs> I guarantee you're gonna love this even more, Cody. So after being released back in 2018 on Steam, uh, the publisher Crunching Koalas and a developer by the name of Buckshot Software uh, will release a 90s throwback shooter called Project Warlock for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. And so basically, what happened is that they we a couple years back they released this retro looking shooter called project warlock right and so now it's finally getting its release date and it's finally coming to us well next month in an unusual move the release will be staggered uh playstation 4 on june 9th switch on june 11th and xbox one june 12th pre-orders for xbox one and switch are available now and to give you a little more detail on what it actually is project warlock tells the tale of the warlock a mysterious preacher tasked with the quest to rid the world of the invaded forces of evil dividing headfirst into an inferno of bullets claws and fangs he has to slash and shoot his way through the hordes of bloodthirsty demons unholy 
Deadly Monsters and Deadly Machines. Traversing through 60 levels set in five distinct domains, the player will come across secret areas, ammo, cache, uh, ammo caches, hid, hidden buttons, and elevators leading to more danger. And this will all be explored in a fantastically rendered uh, 8-bit environment, much homage to kind of like Doom, actually, to be yeah, I was like, quite frank about it. Sounds like Doom, but with melee. <laughs> so this is literally like a, a you know an homage to the classic run and gun style that we all grew up with in the 90s so it's you know nice. closed corners 8-bit you know monsters coming at you you just have the gun as your hud and you're just fucking going crazy you know what i mean nice. like like it is it is straight up just like if it, it is like doom man like that that is the best example it's like it's a super hyper stylized 8-bit doom game does that like I like that's kind of the way I can explain the aesthetic to it because like even the gun itself like isn't like because you know how back in like Doom and you know Wolfenstein like they didn't really have as much of like a sheen this one like it's super just sheeny and pretty to look at and, and yes I know I just called like a retro looking video game pretty but it, hey dude, hey dude Hot Molly Miami that's gorgeous yeah fucked up game but pretty to look at yeah. Katana Zero, that's an 8-bit game, and that's fucking beautiful, too. You know what's yeah. also beautiful, Cody? What? The fact that uh, one of my favorite shows of all friggin' time is getting a season three. What We Do in the Shadows has <laughs> been confirmed for a third season, and, and I'm so excited because I, I just fucking love this series, and, and I want more people to watch it. I know, um, I still need to give it an actual try. So, viewership is up for the second season. Deadline has reported recently, uh, which would explain why FX has actually jumped on the boat really quick and actually already ordered more episodes. So, considering the fact that season two isn't even finished right now and is still in process, uh, the fact that they already got, you know, approved for a third season is just insane. FX did say that the second season, which was averaging 3.2 million total viewers across linear and digital platforms, including FX on Hulu through its uh, first six episodes, was up 25% on season one. So that is huge. Now, I kind of want to explain why this is a big deal. So what we did in the shadows was originally just a film that came out. It was an indie film that came out and came out to very little to no buzz like barely anyone knew about it if you saw it you were talking about it it was the definition of of word of mouth and it came all the way back out you know in 2014 right and this was at the time kind of looked at one of those things where it's like oh no this just might be another forgotten like really charming comedy about vampires yeah yeah it went over i the head. saw the johnny depp one the remake yeah oh no that's that's a different one. Oh. Wait, is it? I don't know. I honestly forgot. I saw that movie and I like purposely blocked it out of my memory because I, I don't just remember. remember. Eva Green's boobs were like on point in that movie, so <laughs> <laughs> I had a crush on Eva Green for a really long time. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's cool, man. Just, just pour it all out there. That's just all I remember about the movie. <laughs> I'm actually gonna look and that Johnny up. Johnny Depp was really. in it. I'm actually gonna look that up. It, it was he. Yeah, no, it was Dark Shadows. No, it was Dark Shadows. Oh, Dark Shadows. Okay. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I yeah. see. I get those two mixed up all the fucking see, time. I see, I forget that that movie's so forgettable that like you, there you go. That don't we, we can never do that again. We can't ever attach it to what we do in the shadows because what we do in the shadows is perfect. So again, hey, coming back to it though, 
So, so yeah, a lot of the comedy does go over your head if you're not into it, and that's fine because I'm not going to try to make the case for you because I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody that loves this series. And again, like the movie, it, it, it we all it definitely came off as like, oh no, it's it's like nothing's going to happen to it. Then they came out with a series, and the series was like, oh man, I hope it's really good. The first season was fucking great. We got a season two, and now it's just like this really great in like incline of just like this series actually getting popular and actually mm-hmm. getting the attention it needs. Yeah. There's the downside of it being popular, but I mean, if that it, the devil's advocate in this case, if that gives it the whole, you know, funding to keep going, then uh, I'm all for it. As, as long as they keep up with how they know how to do the series, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. No, I get you. I mean, it's because like for me, that's the same with. I say for me, that's the same with uh, the child's play stuff, like the curse of Chucky and cult of Chucky. Like that was really super under the radar, and it was like they're they're definitely more underground. But I fucking love them, and I can't wait for them to get more buzz so we can actually get the child's play TV show. Right. All right, so going for so uh, yeah, so season three, what there there are going to be more episodes. Um, at the time of recording this, I don't have a release date for you, but just stay tuned, everyone. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm sure just, you're going to hear about it. Just be, just know there's not going to be any tentative actual release dates for a lot of things. <laughs> well, no, more so just that it's that I, I didn't see it in time because I kind of accidentally exited out the window. By oh, I was just, I mean, you could have just kept riding the coattails of a pandemic, but. I gave you well, an out. I gave you an out. <laughs> now everybody knows I'm a jackass. <laughs> Secrets out. And this so, is why you think about tapeworms who make you eat yourself. <laughs> but no, seriously, but, I, but also I just double checked it. Yeah, there is no release date yet. It's just confirmed. So just okay. But keep in mind they're oh, they're still working on season two. So yeah. So it's not like they can go far ahead and be like, it's gonna be out here. <laughs> they'll probably kill those actors from just overworking them and someone will get coughed on <laughs> right <laughs> um so okay uh to, to speed things along a little bit uh so with the fact that jurassic world dominion is still uh, on the horizon and we're all looking forward to it uh you know and it'll be taking now place in the world again where uh, dinosaurs have been completely unleashed into where the last time we kind of looked into something that awesome and terrifying well i consider at least awesome was the lost world you know because we had that whole you know t-rex scene so now we're gonna get i loved it i i explained why i loved it i know why it's fucking dumb and i don't give a shit (laughs) just it's the worst part it is the worst part i get why it's the worst part but god damn it that is literally what every scenario i've ever played out with my toy dinosaurs when i was a kid it's super biased that's why i'm fully admitting (laughs) that it's like it's a shit scene it's a total shit scene i get why it's a shit scene you're not gonna hear any argument from me it's a total shit scene but i still (laughs) fucking love it because it just it was just like my god someone (laughs) and fucking bred it and wrote it into a movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't hey. really give a shit. Okay, hey. my look, me. <laughs> look, man, it's either this or cocaine. What is worse than the other? <laughs> I don't think you need to be. I don't think you need to be that extreme. It's okay. And then you just hear me throw a glass across the room. No, you don't understand. <laughs> I fucking love that scene. Okay. <laughs> he ate the fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was bold. That was fucking bold. I never <laughs> ate the dog when I played as him. <laughs> fucking brilliant. God, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh, <laughs> to finish off, what I was trying to. So uh, a new era producer hints that Jurassic World Dominion will not be the end of the franchise. Nope. So it's kind of been hinted a lot, but not really confirmed until now. But the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom ended with an all-time great sequel tease offering to promise the next movie, which we know is to be Jurassic World Dominion, where they're going to have all the dinosaurs coming to the real world. And we'll see how they do with it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that uh, after this, that... Frank Marshall suggests that it's actually only the beginning, echoing comments made by Dr. Ian Malcolm in the closing comments of Fallen Kingdom. Marshall teases to Collider that Dominion will start a new era for the franchise. So it, what he basically said, to quote him, is it's the start of a new, a new era. Dinosaurs are now on the mainland amongst us, and they will be for some quite. They will be for some. They, uh, they will be for a while, basically. Sorry, I'm tripping over my own words. So, uh, of course, the franchise is is beyond Dominion. Will depend on the box office performance of Dominion as well. So, if Dominion shits the bed. I can guarantee that we're not going to be able to look forward to that. But uh, what I kind of want to point out here is that the even though that Dominion's set to come out next year on June 11th. It's that the idea that we're finally gonna maybe, maybe kind of like get a whole new like take on the Jurassic World f- series. I'm pretty kind of up for. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm a little. Take I'm it a, more towards the like horror aspects again. Well, I'm a li- I'm hesitant because I need way more like reassurance than just like a suggestion. You know? Yeah. But, like, well, like so, my my whole aspect of that is like. I really, I, I really hope they don't pull a fucking Terminator Dark Fate, where like what I hope they do is they pour like where they just kind of ruin everything on the promise that it's going to keep continuing. Like this isn't the end; it's the beginning, even though it's supposed to be the end of a franchise, you know, type thing. Right. And right. like, I really do hope they kind of go more towards like the Planet of the Apes style, where like with the ending of Dominion, it could it could actually be the ending of the series but it's still you can continue if you wanted to you know what i mean yeah like i wanted to have like a good solid ending instead of fucking another sequel bait ending in the hope like in the hopes that it's going to continue on with a franchise it's like just give this one an ending an ending for these characters and then if you want to continue the Jurassic World franchise we'll have new characters again well, considering that also that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom came out in 2018, I know, hard to believe, two years already, right? Yeah, holy shit. Uh, so it, it's now going to be like three years since that last one came out, basically. Yeah. And so hopefully, you know, with the time put into it, it'll, I don't know, it, it'll blow us away, man. You know, it, yeah, it's like, all up I, in the air. I have hopes for it. I actually liked Fallen Kingdom. I, I did, too. I can't go back to it yet, though, just because some of it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, I know that scene. Oh it's god, covered. the Branky, not the Brachiosaurus. <laughs> yeah, the Brachiosaurus. What but the like, fuck is it with us and just like long necked dinosaurs being like our soft spot? Like it's fucking this, and then like Littlefoot, like Littlefoot's mom. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> what the shit? I don't know, man. But all I know is that like 
So the thing that I like, what they're doing with Jurassic Park is like, yeah, it, Fallen Kingdom's still like pretty fresh in our minds, but I'm glad they're spacing it out. You know? Agreed. So, <laughs> so I didn't want to get emotional with the fucking with Littlefoot! <laughs> <laughs> I just had to mention it. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I do have hopes for it because they have spaced them out like so far in between. So like I, I think it's gonna I think they'll do a good job because I know they they seem to listen to the criticism from Fallen Kingdom because I know they like with Fallen Kingdom I did know they ah, sorry they told their own story and they didn't do a whole lot of callbacks to the originals and I know that was the biggest gripe with uh, Jurassic World and so I noticed that uh, I I have confidence because it seems like they listen to the to the fans a little bit maybe a little too much for Fallen Kingdom to a to a fault, <laughs> and so I don't know I think it's gonna be good. No, I think that, man. Um, yeah. yeah. So with that being said, that that's what's happening in horror. Um, so you know it, a lot of interesting stuff actually. I feel like we got some better articles this week than we did last week. So that's always solid all of them. Um, and so we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into it today. Before we do that, really quick shout out, a big huge congratulations to our uh, newly brought on animator, Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. You are an amazing addition to the team. And also a much overdue welcome back to uh, our intern, Haley. She has been gone for a couple weeks, but now she is back. And, you know, it's just great to have her and her positive energy back on the team. So. So with that being said, let's jump into some horror. Cody, what are we talking about today? All right. So today we are going to finish off the story of H.P. Lovecraft. So just a quick little recap of where we left off last week, because I don't want to go over the entire recap of it. You should just go listen to the last episode to get the first half of his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But where we left off it was, the, in, uh, was back in the summer of 1926, Lovecraft created his greatest elder god cthulhu and so uh, so real quick just to add on what cody's saying if there's anything that we uh, mentioned that you feel that we have missed make sure you do go back to that first episode because we probably covered it there yes um because we because before we talked about we talked about his life up till the creation of cthulhu so um cthulhu was created in 1926 and it became hit, and like everyone knows who Cthulhu was, who it Cthulhu is, he became this worldwide phenomenon. But um, before he became this phenomenon that he is today, <laughs> HP didn't actually really think much of his story, The Call of Cthulhu. Uh, he kind of wrote it as more of a paycheck. He needed the money at the time. But his little friend group, um, just to reiterate who they are, included, uh, included Robert Block, who I talked about before in the thing. And then Robert E. Howard, the creator of Conan the Barbarian, and Argus uh, Derleth, um, who's going to be huge, huge coming up um, for HP's life. Real, real quick, I also do really want to point out that it's really fuck. It should have been now knowing now what we know. It's really kind of like poignant that the guy who did Conan the Barbarian, who also had also made some pretty badass monsters. Mm-hmm. And that series was just like, oh, no, dude, you totally got to, like, publish this. Oh, well. Like, I know up. my monsters. <laughs> no, you know what's cool is it gets cooler. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Howard and everybody. It, it's, it's actually pretty cool. So um, to all these guys, Cthul- the reason why uh, they fell in love with Cthulhu and really wanted HP to push this is because Cthulhu was new. 
he was intriguing. It was like the cosmic horror was just this new style of horror that's never been touched on before. You know, the fear of the unknown space and everything. Right. Um, and so because they loved it so much, all of these guys, Robert E. Howard included, um, started adding their own characters and adding their own stories to this. And it, they over the next like decade, they created the Cthulhu mythos. So, okay, uh, HP didn't actually create all of the mythos of his of his works. Even at the time, at the peak of his writing, um, he had help from Robert E. Howard, um, August Erlith, and uh, Robert Block, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> I, think, I think I actually knew that, but I didn't. I didn't know who it was. Yeah. And and I now know. I know. Yeah, now you know. And knowing's um, half the battle. G.I. Joe. <laughs> so during these years, Lovecraft hit a creative explosion and kept writing tale after tale after tale. Um, during this decade, he wrote The Color Out of Space, The Ch Case of Charles Dexter Ward, Shadow Over Innsmouth, and At the Mountains of Madness. Oh, um, do tale. Mm-hmm. And... It, like and the craziest thing is for once in HP's life like he was actually doing fairly decent money wise like even the crash the Wall Street crash of 1929 didn't stop him like he uh even in the early 1930s and after the crash um he was still making enough to like travel all over New England and everything so he was actually doing pretty well at this point but as we all as we have learned from la uh, last episode or last time, last time we talked about HP, his first half, when he has a lot of good happening, he's about to get a lot of bad. Like that's always how his life has gone. And in 1932, his aunt Lillian Clark passed. And uh, even though uh, his aunts were very, very controlling of him and very, very criticized, they were just terrible people to him. Um, like they didn't even like his uh, marriage to his wife Sophia. Um, he it still hurt him really bad. And after she passed, HP and his surviving aunt Annie were forced to move into a tiny, tiny apartment. And this was the beginning of his slide into poverty and kind of the beginning of the end of HP. Oh man! Yeah. So uh, what happened was uh, after they moved into this apartment. Um, even though HP was writing his greatest works at this time, um, they wasn't bringing in the money frequently enough. I mean, like for, <laughs> cause his like all these like great stories that is writing, they, they just took way too much time to do. Like for instance, at the mountains of madness took five years to find a buyer. So it took him over five years after he wrote the story to even start making money on off of one of his most popular stories. <laughs> And so, whether it be pride or just something, he never wanted his name on anything that wasn't, like, his cosmic horror or anything. So, he took to ghostwriting. And that's where, like, he pretty much spent the rest of his life was just writing, ghostwriting for short, pulpy stories, biographies, and stuff like that. Um, and so, but, like... One thing that like kind of helped him a little bit and helped him get a little bit more money was the fact that he had ghost written a tale uh, with Harry Houdini 
1924 and they had become what? yeah <laughs> and they actually became really good friends and uh, was hopeful hoping that would be just as rewarding but not quite <laughs> um the ghostwriting took up most of hp's later years and wasn't very fruitful he didn't actually make a whole lot of money he was actually so poor that when whenever he could even eat he was eating expired tins of food and um wow yeah and so that like there was there's not a whole lot on his later years uh, the most positive thing that came out of his final years was his letter writing um he ha- it is it's recorded that he sent something over about uh, something around a hundred thousand letters in his lifetime second only to french writer voltaire so <laughs> he loved to write tales and letters to to fans and that's how, like, a lot of his life kind of came on un- uh, unfolded is through all these letters. And so, by the spring of 1936, Lovecraft pretty much gave up on his fiction. Um, he wrote the Shadow of the Shadow Out of Time, which is now considered a late classic, which was his first story since 1933. Um, and his short story that he wrote back then was uh, Haunter of the Dark. Um, it is a really short story. And so one of the uh, possible reasons for his disinterest in his mythos um, is because uh, is possibly from the winter of 1935 to 1936, he started documenting about an illness he called gripe, um, which is cancer. <laughs> he was suffering from cancer and he uh, instead of writing his mythos, he started writing more about the sickness and um, he refused to get treatment for it. And also that summer is uh, also when Robert E. Howard committed suicide and the death of, of him uh, sent HP into a really, really bad depression that he never really recovered from. Jeez, uh, man. Yeah, man. He, he just kept getting like shit storm after shit storm for you know, his last you know, years. This is going to sound a little controversial. Maybe not. I don't know. But I wonder... You kind of wonder if a lot of it, if you believe in the whole karmatic shit and karma and whatnot, you got to wonder if this is like kind of like blowback from his like bigotry. You know, I mean, that's reaching. I get it. That's reaching. But it just seems like it's just really interesting that like he has so many good things go for him. And then it just like life shifts on him. And you got to like, I don't know, you know, I, I get like life's chaotic and unexplainable, but you got to wonder, man, like. If it would well, be different, you know, like you got to, well, you just kind of hope on for him, for him. You, you yeah, hope for him. I think part of it also is like, yeah, I mean, that could be like, you know, karma and stuff. But I think also part of it is just the way he was raised and everything. And then also the fact he was very, you know, to himself. He rarely outsourced. He didn't make a whole lot of friends. Like, and yeah, it's crazy. The friends he did make were the, these literary icons. But like. I think it was also just because he didn't outsource for a lot of things and he took his time and he was always very, you know, uh, always hold up whether he was in a neighborhood that was full of minorities or not. <laughs> he right. Like, and also I want to make the case like, you no, know, sorry, sorry. I just, I, I should make sure really quick, just to make clear that I am understood here. No way am I like saying like, Oh, feel bad for racists or anything. Like I'm not no. saying that it's just like, you got to think like with how extreme he was about his bigotry yeah, with how extreme all the bad stuff created an entire new genre of horror out of it. <laughs> right. And then it's just like out of nowhere life shits on him 
when things yeah. are going his way. Like, you got to think, you got to wonder, man, like, if it's kind of connected and, like, in kind of, like, a universal out there kind of way. I don't know. I'm not, like, a professor in that. It just... It just seems oddly connected, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a, it's almost like it. Well, I mean, that's the life of all like great literary artists. They most of them do have like these really depressing lives. Like Edgar Allan Poe has a super depressing life, and he was a weirdo too. True, <laughs> like, true. He's, uh, he's kind of a stalker. Uh, and we're not calling all of our authors that come on here weirdos either. We love you all. <laughs> I mean, we're weirdos, so yeah. So, <laughs> God, you suck. I know. Uh, and, uh, even, and after that, like things didn't, uh, get better for HP, uh, even after Robert E. Howard's, uh, suicide, um, by spring of 1937, HP was in constant physical and emotional pain that he didn't produce more than four poems and a small handful of short stories at that time. And, uh, the pain ended up getting too much to bear. And on March 10th, 1937, HP uh lovecraft checked himself into the jane brown memorial hospital and it was far too late to get any kind of treatment for his cancer or anything and on march 15th 1937 lovecraft finally passes so yeah and so the thing that all and so that's his story (laughs) he died from cancer on march 15th um so I mentioned August Ehrlich earlier, and the one of the most tragic things for HP is while he did like get some popularity for when while he was alive, his his work never picked up until after he died, um, and a lot of it has to do with his good friend August Ehrlich. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but whatever, it's funny name. <laughs> Because in August of 1939, uh, Lovecraft's friend August Ehrlich decided to give H.P. the writer's send-off he deserved and founded Arkham House Publishers, specifically to publish hardback editions of H.P. stories um, like The Outsiders and others. But they flopped. <laughs> the whole entire thing flopped. Like his, his stories were not selling very well. His hardbacks weren't selling very well. But... And also, Derelith wasn't even that great of a writer himself. He's kind of a hack writer because, like, of course, you can't just publish these few stories from HP. He had to write his own, too. Um, But the thing is that he was extremely rich. And so he was able to keep the company afloat and ended up translating some of Lovecraft's work into foreign languages, which was the turning point for Lovecraft's popularity and for Arkham House Publishing's. Um, because in post-war France, his tales took off. Like, he just boomed. And in the 1960s, Arkham House Publishing re-released HP's work um, stateside, and the timing was just perfect in the 60s. Because horror was starting to take mass popularity with uh, uh, movies like Rosemary's Baby and Night of the Living Dead. And so because of the popularity of all these obscure horror films, like Night of the Living Dead, that was one of the first horror movies to not only star a minority lead, but just the intensity of it and the social commentary about it. And so everyone loved it. And so they needed to read and read and read more about this stuff. And so they flocked all all the Lovecraft's work. And that's where a lot of his movies start, like those movies based off of Lovecraft started coming out even more. 
Um, I mean, his stories took off so much at that time and became such a phenomena that in the 1970s, Batman's Arkham Asylum was created in 1974. Stephen King released Carrie and talked about how everyone needs to read Lovecraft, Lovecraft's work. And, a bu- and, uh, and at this point, he was so popular that a bunch of American fans put together enough money to replace Lovecraft's small tombstone with a bigger one and had the encryption I am Providence put on it. Huh. That's actually kind of cool, like in a, in a weird way. But yeah, cool. like it, like in a really surreal, weird way. Like, I mean, most most authors in, uh, of the time were kind of like that. I mean, Edgar Allan's Poe's like stories, uh, poems didn't even take off until after he died, also. So, yeah, and you know, man, it's still just kind of like a weird place to sit with Lovecraft because it's like, yeah, I do love his creations. Like, they're they're genuinely some of the most terrifying uniquely creative monsters i've ever read you know or or heard about or watched about ever Mm -hmm. you know and they always will be and they're so goddamn influential that it's just like it's kind of a discredit to yourself or in any sort of way if you're a horror fan if you don't acknowledge that but at the same time knowing what's behind it and knowing that like you're also kind of risking that you're liking a creation that might literally be interpreted as as you know a very racist bigotly a bigotry type of you know literary piece you know what i mean yeah. like well, cause it, so- it, it could straight up be like uh, this this screwed up monster that he meant to be as an insult in a very bigotry type of way well i mean um his time in red hook when he created uh oh, what was it the mouth at inn's mouth the horror of inn's mouth um, or yeah. no, when he wrote the horror of Red Hook, um, you know, like it had really dark racist tones, of course. And then a lot of his myth, the cosmic horror was him feeling isolated in everything. <laughs> I'm not going to go into too much detail about it again. But no, I like, get it. I get it. I just think the fact that he wrote all that and then his friends um, helped him create this mythos and probably steered a lot of it away. I mean, like, like for instance, Robert Block, Robert E. Howard, and August Derleth were Jewish men. <laughs> um, like, and they were some of his best friends, yet they and helped him create this mythos. I think even though the Cthulhu mythos started off in bigotry and hate, the fact that it then evolved into something more than that to uh, these great horror creations is what like what the real meaning and meaning behind HP's story should come we should take out of is that even though you know something can come like hatred could create this these stories that it could also be converted into something we all love and we all can accept you know just because something's creative out of hatred doesn't mean it has to stay that way and so then i love the fact that us horror fans and fans of hp lovecraft's work took that and ran with it and was like you know we don't like the racism in your work and you're dead anyway so who gives a fuck we're gonna make it better <laughs> you know yeah and you know i would say a thing to consider like what you, i'm glad you brought up his friends <laughs> being jewish because then I kind of, I, you know, I thought about it too, and I'm like, you know, he also had shines that he was a very conflicted man, and oh, so yeah. being and considering, like, okay, I, I mean, in no way do I claim to be a therapist or anything, but I feel like 
he was obviously raised in a not great environment first off right and then he kind of got past it at some point and now he's surrounded by people that support his work and support him and actually give him good influence and he finds out they're actually jewish and so now he's more a little more conflicted about his motivations in life you know so i feel like he does it where some of his that's probably where some of his creations came out of too is the conflict of like I was raised to hate these people, but they're my best friends. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm sure some of that confusion came out of out of that too. Yeah, and maybe that's what really he was writing about. It wasn't about, you know, it, it wasn't. It, it started out as something bad, but maybe he was a, writing just about the hatred in himself, the conflicting issues he had with himself of his own ideals. Of been, you know, I mean, like, because most of, I mean, most of his work is all about the unknown it's the fear of the unknown the fear of what's what happens when you die and you don't know or the fear of like the what's going on inside your head that you have no idea about you know well and again just of course all speculation but coming back to it with that and what's more unknown what what is more terrifying and unknown than the darkest recesses of your own mind yeah you know and so i'm you know and a lot of people probably already, you know, know this, and this is probably like nothing found, but I like that we're talking about this because we're talking about it in a way that we, well, we did just kind of figure it out on our own. And, our, and again, <laughs> I'm not saying we figured it out, but we're interpreting it our own way. Sorry, I shouldn't yeah. say that. Point being, though, is that it definitely, I can see, you know, I'll, I'll explain it like this. You remember every horror movie we see, or maybe not even a horror movie, but just like any time where you've been a kid and you've drawn a really crazy picture and you want to make it like a terrifying monster? Mm-hmm. What if that's just what H.P. Lovecraft was doing the whole time because he was internalizing and projecting what he was going through and didn't know how to explain that to anyone? Keep it in oh, mind that as well, sure. back then, mental health and the talks for it and how it was treated was completely terrible like no like it was it was it was it was way worse than it was now you know like if if, they used to legitimately think i'm gonna shock your brain to fix you yeah like and there and that's just for people that like had like adhd like me you know not not trying to be like haha like i'm better than anyone but like the whole just like that's what I mean, man. Like it, it, they did it; they never approached it appropriately. They're just like, oh, "Let me no. shock you till you're okay." <laughs> yeah, and same with like depression. It was just like anybody who's depressed, they would just look at me and go, "Well, fucking cheer up, bitch." <laughs> you know? And like living in that environment, I can kind of see where you would have to just write about it at some point, or else you'd go nuts. And maybe that's what he was writing about: is the fact that he felt like he was going nuts because maybe he didn't have really anyone else but his friends to relate to but then again back then i don't know man it's it's a lot of speculation but at the end of the day i i i think we can all agree that his creations were a projection of what he felt on the inside in some facet like it had to be and so to to finish up to finish up some of our our hp lovecraft talk um and how we were talking about his creations let's actually talk about a few of his actual creations let's do it all right so one of his more famous creations, and it was done on. A, we actually covered this character before too. Um, oh my God! Would you load up? G bus. <laughs> God. Oh, it was sitting on one. Well, actually, we're going to talk about two that we kind of uh, two that started in movies that we have talked about on here, and a third that is possible. I actually have a theory about it, and when we talk about them, I'm going to talk about why I think it might be. 
he might have been in the movie. Um, anyway, so first one we want, I want to talk about is Mr. Herbert West. Um, so Herbert West is a fictional create, character created by H.P. Lovecraft for his story, Herbert West Reanimator. It was first published in 1922. Um, there have been several film adaptations of the story, including, including Herbert West as played by Jeffrey Combs in the Reanimator film. Uh, which in, uh, series, which included the 1985 Reanimator film and its two sequels, Bride of Reanimator and Beyond Reanimator. Um, Herbert West is the inventor of a special solution that, when injected into a main artery of a recent deceased person, causes the body's mechanical living functions to return. However, most subjects that have undergone the reanimation process have turned violent and, after failed attempts to return to their own graves, have terrorized the communities into which they were reanimated. In Lovecraft's tale, Herbert West was ostracized by his fellow medical students, and because he believed he would overcome death, and only one friend, the unnamed narrator of the story. Also, I want to point out that uh, we reviewed Reanimator, and if you haven't watched yet or checked out that review, make sure you do it. Yep. And then, I'll find uh, you. <laughs> the second cre one of it, the second creation um, <laughs> is Dagon. Dagon is a deity who presides over the deep ones, an amphibious humanoid uh, humanoid race indigenous to Earth's oceans. He is first introduced in Lovecraft's short story Dagon and is mentioned extensively throughout the mythos. Also known as Father Dagon, he is a great old one and the consort of Mother Hydra. He is worshipped by the esoteric Order of Dagon, a secret cult based in Innsmouth. Um, Dagon is an enormous specimen of deep, of deep One that has been mentioned in texts since ancient times. He is worshipped as a deity by a devout cult of both humans and Deep Ones. While apparently immortal, his longevity may be attributed, attributable to his fraternization with the Star Spawn. No idea what that one is yet who sometimes select formidable specimens from a given species to protect, nurture, and empower for reasons only known to them. So, yeah. crap, people, crap, people. <laughs> fish people. Okay, fish sir. people, fish people. Um, come on, load, load, load. My computer is super slow. All right, and the final one that we are going to be talking about is the creator of all the father of the entire mythos who's created way after cthulhu that's right you guys thought i was gonna say cthulhu um is actually mr azathoth um azathoth is sometimes called the blind idiot god uh the nuclear chaos the daemon sultan the deep dark and the cold one he is an outer god he's in the myth, uh, in the mythos, he's actually the OG elder god. So, um, quick description of him: there can be no de definite description of Azathoth uh, because everybody envisions him differently, and he is always changing. There is evidence the physical manifestation of Azathoth in the universe is is continuous with a spot in the central region of the galaxy otherwise known as Sagittarius A, the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Um, for example, Ronald Shea enters a temple after visiting the forest near Goatswood and discovers a 20-foot tall... Oh, my God. They, like, super-loaded and threw me off. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. Cody, no. I know. Okay, for example, Ronard Shea enters a temple after visiting the forest near Goatswood and discovers a 20-foot idol that represented the god Azathoth. Azathoth, as he had been before his exile outside, it consisted of a bivolvolar uh, shell supported on many pairs of flexible legs. From the half-open shell rose several jointed cylinders tipped with pol- uh, polypus appendages. And in the darkness inside the shell, I thought I saw a horrible, bestial, mouthless face with deep, sunk eyes and covered with glistening black hair. Later, Shay sees something ooze into the corridor, a pale gray shape expanding and crinkling, which glistened and shook gelatinously as it's, as still-moving particles dropped free. But it was only a glimpse. Uh, that was an excerpt from The Insects from Shagai by Ramsey Campbell. So, my theory is... Of like how I said that we've covered each one. I actually think Azathoth is the entity in the Endless Met. Yeah, I was gonna agree. I, I, I was gonna talk about that with you, but I couldn't remember its name. So I was like, yes. I was like, I was just wait till we do this because I'm po- I guarantee Cody's probably gonna talk about it. Yeah. So I was like, I totally think this guy is the entity in yeah. the Endless. If you guys don't know what the uh, don't know what the Endless is. I reviewed that in our last episode, and you should totally go check out that review and go check out that movie. <laughs> Do it. It, yeah, no, I agree. I, I honestly think it's Azathoth, too. Yeah. Because I, I keep thinking about, like, everything about him and just, like, watching carefully. And I, I did, review, like, rewind a lot of scenes more than once just to, like, double-check everything. And I'm like, it's fucking got to be Azathoth. Like, there's no way it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, See, I was I, thinking it's either Azathoth or... um. Oh no, not this guy. Never mind. Yeah, no, I think it's Azathoth. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe somebody might know better than us. The only way to find out is to watch the movie. Yeah, seriously, go watch the movie and then message, uh, tell us, and we'll we'll see what you think. Um, uh, do we have enough time for one more guy? Uh, yeah, we could just gotta make it a little quick, is all. All right. So the last one I want to talk about is not Nyar Lithotep. Um, Nyar Lithotep is the son of Azathoth. Um, he is known to many as the by his epithet, the Crawling Chaos. He is an outer god in the Cthulhu mythos. He is the spawn of Azathoth. He is the creation of H.P. Lovecraft and first appeared uh, appeared in his prose poem uh, Nyar Lithotep. Um, he appears in numerous subsequent stories by Lovecraft and is also featured in the works of other authors as well as in role-playing games based on the Cthulhu mythos. Uh, because this is stupid thing. Um, he differs from the other deities in the mythos in a number of ways. Most of the other uh, of the outer gods are exiled to the stars like Yog, Sathoth, and Azathoth. Um, but and most of the great el- uh, great old ones are sleeping and dreaming like Cthulhu. Um, he out uh, Ny- Nyarlathotep, Jesus Christ. Um, however, is active and frequently walks the earth in the guise of a human being, usually a tall, slim, joyous man. He has a thousand other forms and manifestations, most reputed to be quite horrific and uh, sanity blasting. Most of the outer gods have their own cults serving them. Ny- uh, Nyarlathotep. I'm just going to call him Nyar. Nyar seems to have to serve as he serves several cults and takes care of their affairs in the other outer gods' absence. Most outer gods 
use strange alien languages languages while Nyar uses human languages and can easily pass for a human being if he chooses to do so. Finally, most of them are all-powerful, yet evidently without clear purpose or agenda, yet Nyar seems to be deliberately deceptive and manipulative and even uses propaganda to achieve his goals. In, reg in this regard, he is probably the most human-like among the Outer Gods. Basically, That's he's it. Loki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are some of the great creations, and that was the story of H.P. Lovecraft. I hope you all liked it. Wow. I mean... Talk about it, man. Talk about uh, talk about an interesting man. Talk about an interesting person. I mean, Seriously. all we can do is all we can do is hope by the sounds of how he passed on and his creations and kind of put things together that he ended up becoming a better person than how he was born out to be. You know? Yeah. I mean, like we said, I'm honestly like I I'm happy that his creations have like become oh, yeah, pop yeah culture and like and I'm so happy that. Everyone who has read his, like, who fell in love with his creations and added to it, like, definitely steered it away from the bigotry and racism that was in the those original stories and steered it more towards actual horror. So, <laughs> so yeah, I agree. No, like, I agree. All in all, like, it was a fun, like, it was a fun ride uh, learning about Lovecraft because, like. Not gonna lie, before like I started uh, doing all this research, like I knew who he was, and I knew about like Cthulhu and Dagon and a few others of his stories, and I always knew he was like, oh, it's the guy who created Cthulhu. But after reading all this and just reading his story and everything, it was like it was fun. It was really fun to actually like learn more about a a, a horror icon that I've always like knew of, and then actually now read more about. So. <laughs> Sweet, the fantastic things we learn when when we when we sit down and talk about horror, uh, and talk about like a good entertaining ride all the way throughout. We 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 had we had some laughs, we had some tears. I mostly had tears, but overall, <laughs> we had a great time, and I think we yeah. learned something. And I think when in doubt, when it comes to the works of H.P. Lovecraft, is that it's not necessarily trying to look deeper into what a creature is, but what it was meant to be and what it was meant to represent. And with that in mind, ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants alike, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing and, and just follow along with us, please like us and follow us on Facebook. You can just search us up at Punk Recorder Podcast or on our Twitter at OfficialPRHP or on Instagram, Punk Rock Horror Podcast, hashtag PRHP Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Undead Matt. If you want to come and support the show, or the show, excuse me, come and support the show today, please consider going over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. We have some amazing rewards even available for just $2 a month, and that would give you some access to not just bonus content, but content before anyone else. Uh, so with that in mind, it also goes to help keeping the lights on the show, and, well, you'll get a shout-out from us and some other cool stuff that we're going to be unveiling as quarantine starts lifting up a little bit more and more here, and hopefully in a readier pace. Also, if you want to support the show in any other way, we also have merch available at teespring.com slash podcast or punkrockhorrorstore.com. Over there, we have branded clothing by the independent 
Knit LLC, Aether's Oath. And we also are just making great new merch for everyone in total. We have a new design coming out that we're really excited for. Megan's working on. And I'm- <laughs> Megan again is the artist who made our cover art for 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 the show. That that was a hit right there. Uh, but yeah, she she did the cover art. She did the cover art for our show. That's what you're looking at right now. She did that amazing artwork. She also has her own Instagram and only Deviant Art page where you can check her out. And she does take commissions. She doesn't work exclusively for us. So please reach out to her on Instagram. You'll see those links below. How to reach out to her? It's at the bottom of the page, so you can't miss it. Check it out. Go support her and also go support all of our creators that come on to help the show. Big Boot Studio and Freddie. You guys are amazing. Uh, check them out. Their links are below as well. And shout out to our interns and everyone else who's helping this show and supporting the show. And just all around some amazing, amazing, amazing people we get to work with. And also got to give the biggest shout out to all you amazing listeners. Thank you again. Ghouls, gals, groups, and for supporting the show. And we will talk about horror with you next time. Bye. Bye.